You guys remember your part? Yep. Pretty bad. No, Nathan. This is why we have rehearsals. me now pretty, pretty good. good going on feeling strong we are hottest 100s and thousands and we have taken control of your radio station this is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the triple j hottest 100 my name is david james young and i'm one of the four voices you're gonna be hearing for the next hour or so joining me once again mr adam buncher Yo! Mr. Nathan Harris. Hey, hey. And Mr. Andrew McDonald. Thank you for doing that. You're so welcome. You I'm weren't ready gonna... to get hype? No, never. Okay. Unless the intro of UK is on. <laughs> I'm not hype. Okay. I'm secretly hoping that WK were your middle initials. Andrew WK. It's his spiritual middle name. Andrew, Andrew McDonald. McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> This is a big one, folks. This is a big one. Let's, oh, we are dealing with the impossible princess herself. We are dealing with Charlene, motherfuckers. That's her character on the show? Is that... On Neighbours. Okay, show, cool. Show, I couldn't away. remember if it was Neighbours or Home and Away. And Are you I'm, Australian? Yeah, and I'm an adult. Do you not remember Scott and Charlene's <laughs> wedding? Mate, I don't remember either. I was it was one of the greatest moments in television history, I'll fucking have you know. Righto. This is Air Corley, all right? thing is, though, the people in the UK probably like, it's Al Kylie. Yeah. yeah. Bitch! Oh, Al Kylie. We saw her first. It's like our Nick. Our Nicholas. Yeah. <laughs> Nicholas. Oh. He has he from Kreuzberg now. <laughs> <laughs> I live next door to him, owes me five euro. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Nick Cave. Fucking Nicholas Nick. Cave. <laughs> Fucking Nicholas. He lives in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> That's why I brought it up. Oh, sure. But also, he probably knows like, someone five bar. <laughs> <laughs> Several sons of heroin. <laughs> this is Kyle Minogue at number 30 with Confide in... In the 1994 Hottest 100 with Confide in Me. In me. Well, yes. Nailed it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the most contentious and controversial points in Triple J history. This oh. is, yeah, it's often discussed when Triple J decided to start playing Kylie Minogue. You got to remember at this point, 
She's the girl next door. She's Charlene. She's do the locomotion. She's I should be so lucky. Well, lucky, it's quite lucky, a bit lucky. after that. Yeah, I know, but she hasn't had like the cemented veteran pop star reputation at this point. No, but she was erring into indie circles at this point. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm. And in doing so, she was interested in moving into stuff that was a bit more brooding and a bit more melodic and a bit more, I guess, quote-unquote alternative. Hmm. Triple J took a shining to that. They respected that and they saw what she was trying to do. And when she got into the Hottest 100, at the time, she saw it as one of her crowning achievements. She'd finally, after all this time of being like this daggy, uncool pop star, had been accepted by the alternative cultural zeitgeist. She was moving in very different circles. Like, she'd uh, started seeing Michael Hutchins, hanging out with Nick Cave, and she appeared at the Big Day Out and things like that. And it was a move in a very, very different direction. And I think it's a valid call saying that she was deliberately trying to yeah, move away like, to something new. Yeah, yeah, it's quote-unquote indie Kylie, as yeah. it yeah. came to be known in, in circles. And it also, you talk about moving in a new direction, happened quite literally for her because she was more UK-based, starting pretty much with this single and then from that point onwards because she's working with, uh, with new producers, she's signed to a UK record label now. Yeah, absolutely. This was a big turning point in her career and I will... Fucking get down with any early Kylie. Like, Locomotion's the shit. So is Hand on Your Heart. So is I Should Be So Lucky. Lucky, lucky, lucky. But uh, when it comes down to it, Kylie Minogue is at her most interesting when she's at this point on the fringe and doing stuff that she would have dared to even consider doing, even like five years before this. I'm a huge, huge fan of Confide in Me. I think it's one of her best songs, hands down. Adam. I think Kylie Minogue is a fine pop star and she's produced many other fine mainstream pop songs, but this song stands apart and it always has for me. Dave, I've got a bit of a Dave Young story about this song. Like, I heard it at a really young age and was kind of a bit floored by it. And you know what? I'm going to straight out say it. I adore this song. The strings, man. Like, if I was to break down my love of what is going on in this song, we would distinctly have about 70% the strings, 30% the rest. They're huge and massive and so well realized within this song. The beat itself is also quite good. Even some of the more uh, Eastern instruments being woven in there are great as well. Kylie is fine in this song, but to me, uh, she was working with a bunch of guys called uh, Brothers of Rhythm or something along those lines as the new producers, and I think they need some props right now, as pop producers so often do, and maybe don't get enough props every now and again. You know, people talk about artists a lot, but sometimes the the producing staff just need a, a bit of a bump up. So I will say it. Uh, Brothers of Rhythm, in this track, knock it out of the park. People will talk about artists more than producers, but yeah. it's a if you examine the pop artists, the artist themselves is arbitrary generally to the song in these kind of situations. It's not the actual mm. artist themselves, it's the artist's persona which is important, and that's why certain producers work in certain sounds, which you'd be like, oh, that's that's the same producer as that. That's bizarre. They don't sound yeah. that... The songs that sound that similar is because the, like, a good producer, like in this case, yep. will channel an artist's persona to the song's advantage. And that is what is precisely being done here. Yeah. After it, in the yep. move away, the strings... It sounds like a James Bond theme at the start. Or it, a yeah. song. Yeah. It's goddamn operatic as fuck. It's it amazing. Is, it is actual opera sounding. It's working on a scale completely different. Yeah. To- everything she's done until this point. Yeah. Or a lot and, of and, other and pop in like general. A yeah. different scale to all of the other pop we've heard in this country. Absolutely. Because Kylie's strength as a pop persona 
post early Kylie, like from here and I guess onwards, is entirely in her persona because songs like this and songs like Spitting Around, which is still six years away at this point, yeah. don't sound that similar on the surface, but they both channel a similar notion of Kylie as being otherworldly, huh. sensual. Yeah. Like, not in the sense that just because she's an incredibly good looking human, it's the fact that her songs are sexy and sensual and allure you. Like, they, they lure you in, they're alluring, they are meant to be something that entices you, and the strings in this are the point of that they're like what is this from the get-go how is this in a pop song i'm enticed yeah and that's not credit to her but credit to her selection of a producer because she, they, she chose a producer or she chose producers yep. who then channel her persona to a fantastically logical end who knew how to channel that thing which she then went on to push and this if this is like in the start of it all yeah that's why it works so well when I first heard it, I thought, this is bizarre that it was on Triple J. And then I thought, you listen to it, and you're like, no, it's not. Of course it yeah. was. It's perfectly weird for what it is. It is. It's and not... ambitious. Yeah, it's it, so like, ambitious. The yes. length, such a bold the, song. It like, is yeah. indeed. Is this the first thing in this progression to like Indie Kylie or whatever? Whatever the single was before this one. Was it in the same ilk, or was it... I really get the feeling that this was a departure. Yeah, this this feels like yeah. a, a massive shift. Statement. Yeah, Even yeah. if you had done similar work like this, you'd release this one first, because it's, it's just so bold and strong. It's such a, a statement And I feel like if there was intent. another song like this, we'd know. Well, yeah, the we, last, we wouldn't have yeah. been having this conversation. That's true. It's it's very so true. the last record she put out before this was one called Let's Get To It, which came out in 1991. And, uh, yeah, it's generally regarded as one of her more forgettable, like, yeah, uh, sure. middle-of-the-road records. Sure. And I think she's probably pretty open with that. Like, out of the songs on that record, there were no huge, like, breakout singles. Uh, you could just tell that she was restless. She was just like, I want more out of this. Yeah, hungry. Um, so she kind of fell out of love with conventional pop music and... And, like, she was still making songs that were pop, but just on very different terms. And she did that for two really great albums, which is her self-titled record, which this is the opening track and lead single from, and Impossible Princess, which is my favourite Kylie album. There's just something about this mid-90s period of Kylie that I just find fascinating. And I'm so glad that it got picked up by Alternative Radio. Mm -hmm. That They were just like, okay, so that's who you were. This is who you are now. Welcome to the club. You know, yeah, <laughs> she, she felt like she'd finally been accepted as an artist, not just as, you know, a face on Smash Hits magazine. Yeah, I think it's wonderful that this comes from her album, which is self-titled, because yes. the self-titled record should at least, not always, but it should stand as a conceptual statement about the artist. And mm. I think yeah. if she's trying to reinvent herself, there's no better way than releasing an album with a, such a left-of-field lead single and calling it her full name. And yeah. I think this was a couple of years before Nick Cave's Murder Ballads, and it's yes. no surprise that it's songs like this would which would have probably perked his interest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Among other things. I I'm mean, sure. even the album and... cover for this. Um, <laughs> so, like, previously, like, they were very, like, dolled up. The album cover for Kylie Minogue, the self titled album, is her wearing glasses and a man's shirt crawling on the ground pretending to be sexy. It's a really small picture. And it's as a well. super small picture, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And the video as well is just is working so hard to subvert oh, all of those pop images like, and, and just bring out the commercial nature of it all. Which yeah. is interesting again because then we talk about uh, You Did It Again, which is actively as its whole doing that mm. yeah, yeah, yeah attempting to subvert that so yeah. to subvert get, the, the idea of Kylie Minogue yeah. so I think it's yeah I think, of, uh, four different Kylie's yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think uh, so it's it, what we talked about about this being new Kylie and the reinvention of Kylie is really really valid but it's also worth noting that for as much as this was an alternative hit, it was definitely a crossover hit because it spent oh, four weeks huge. at number one yeah huge four huge weeks. single yeah That's yeah huge yeah. absolutely People can get fucking mad about pop stars getting into the fucking Hottest 100, but all the time that they were getting down about that, 
they could have been getting down to this sick beat. At number 29, it's Beck, and he's back with a song called Beer Can. Beck, back. Beck, back. Pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> no, look, this song is incredible. We need to get it out of the way. First and foremost, yes, this beat loser. Yeah. Okay? Weird. Yeah. And it's weird. It is weird in a so sense. Weird. But you know what? I kind of... Triple J, you're all right. You, <laughs> this this crazy guy, this crazy Triple J guy putting beer can over loser. Bit of a weird call. But you know what? I pay it, dude. Messing with the votes. Mess... Well... <laughs> yeah. Because this is a different side of Beck. Loser is Beck distilled. This is Beck expanded and blown out, I really think. Like, the same kind of ideas are at play. The weird sampling, the combination of different influences, the stream of consciousness kind of white guy rapping coming in. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. The the left of field images and references and all that kind of stuff. The amazing Care Bears sample. Oh my god, yeah. So good. All that kind of stuff. Except explored in, in a much more kind of far out, less pop sensitive way it scratches a different itch to loser i think it's certainly comparable in terms of its quality it just does a different thing it's still very much beck it's still very much classic era beck and you know uh andrew you were saying that loser potentially is too beck to function Um, (laughs) this is potentially even more beck i think in 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 some ways i think it's more representative of beck's overall sound but i don't think it's like loser feels more conceptually pop beck that's a valid call there's more Beck in Loser just because in the verses it's kind of just Beck. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas there's so many layers in this song. Even though he's doing, you know, arguably more in this song, particularly with the samples or whatever, it feels like there's less Beck to identify, particularly if you were new to him. But also I think at this point early on, if people are just coming across him, that's not as big a deal. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Whereas looking back on it now, you listen and you're like, oh, well, Beck is Loser. Like, (laughs) Yeah. It's very, it's very hard with these two songs to just get past the iconicism that is Loser. Yeah. Adam, you brought up yeah. uh, when we talked about uh, Loser, uh, how basically he was trying to impersonate Chuck D. Yes. Uh, originally. And I think on Beer Can, he's starting to be like, 
okay, so what does Beck sound like? Well, and- that's kind of interesting because there are he because especially because uh, in the form of the song he does talk to himself quite a lot. There's quite a lot of yeah, back yeah, and forth yeah. with yeah. himself, and there's autobiographical elements in there as well. He talks about when he had a job being a leaf blower. Legitimately, he did have a job of being a leaf blower. There's an amazing, amazing quote that Beck has about that, saying like, "Yeah, I was a leaf blower," because so you could say I was a noise artist. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like is, he talks about them being the proto noise artists of the world, the people who get out it with leaf blowers of the morning. <laughs> and uh, if you play wonderful. the song in reverse, it's all about how his dad's a Scientologist. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I would also though put this beating loser and indeed Mathar um, <laughs> potentially Whoa, really? down to Mathar. when it came out in a year. Like if this, you know, like the, the Hottest yeah, 100 knows? has a long history of songs that are released in the few months beforehand doing much better than yeah. songs that came out at the start of the year. Yeah. yeah. Particularly at this point, you can't go online and look at it like a massive list of all the major songs. Yeah. Big Ham would have come out after Loser, I, I believe, because Loser was the first yeah. single. Yeah, it was Beck. It was the beginning of Yeah, Beck. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is the more recent thing that you're Exception. hearing on the radio when you're writing down your postal vote. It would have thrown people, I think, who were expecting more Loser from Beck. Yeah, and then they And then they got this. But they are similar, though. Oh, like, totally. But it's just that Loser has a hook. They both still have that's a shuffling it. beat that's driven by a sampled influence, psychedelic pop. They're both incredibly similar songs, just that yep. Loser has the hook. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and this is more, as I said, like, Loser's condensed, this is blown out. But, like, this, I love this. I still think it's, like, oh, it's, a mass- a great song. it's a massive jam. Playfulness is the song in its very nature, and that can't help but be very enjoyable and fun to listen to. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think that this, and Mellow Gold in general, because I think this represents the better parts of Mellow Gold in a really honest way, okay. yeah, but I do think that fair. it's an ignition that lit the Beck fire. It's not that it's... If it was only ever as good as this, he wouldn't be the star that he is. This is a good song, and Mellow Gold is a good album, but he got much better. He got incredibly, wonderfully better. And so much of the Beck narrative is just about that reinvention. Of and, course. And not really making the same album again, yeah. with a couple of exceptions, maybe. So, like, that's a big part of it as well. That Like, he did this, and this is very good, but he didn't stick to this. Yeah. How you like me now? <laughs> it's a valid question. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> You thought we were done with Hole? You were wrong, my friend! <laughs> At number 28, it's Hole with Dolpas. Awesome track from their awesome album, Live Through This. Oh, can I bust in with a fact? You know what? Sure. Hot fact! 
The uh, title, Live Through This, is a reference to Gone With The Wind. And Courtney Love's favourite line in Gone With The Wind, I'm going to live through this, and when it's all over, I'll never be hungry again. It's beautiful. Here endeth the fact. <laughs> Welcome back to Hot Facts with Adam and Friends. There are so many subpod... Friends! Adam and Friends! There are so many sub-podcasts going on in this podcast. So many spin-offs. We're all getting our own Joey when this podcast ends. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm definitely going to be the Ringo of this lot. Isn't that Joey? <laughs> Not going to die, at least. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but you get to be the Dark Horse. You're the George Harrison, remember? Nathan's the George Harrison. My name Harrison. is Harrison. That doesn't matter. You're Paul McCartney. <laughs> Just because you've got his last name doesn't mean you've earned it. Doesn't mean I'm John. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. Huh. Adam, Adam is the woman of the world. Yeah. <laughs> the wife beat Think about it. David, what do you think of the song Doll Parts by the band Hole? <laughs> I, I dig the shit out of it. Like, it's a song on a fucking record that I love start to finish. This is a record I came back to heaps when I properly discovered it. It carries on that same sort of theme of finding your own identity and the weight of female expectation and things like that. I was just completely enamoured by that and, yeah, gave me a a comprehension of, I guess, what was going through her mind at the time, you know, because this was a pretty fucking heavy time in the world of Courtney Love. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys know this, but her husband died this year. Four days before the album was released. Or after the album was released. Within days, like... But this song was written many years earlier about, yeah, yeah, yeah. about Kurt. Oh, yeah, yeah, obviously. But I mean, like, just just the timing of when yeah, people like, would fucking, have heard yeah. it. And yeah. after, mm. yeah, that title. Is, called oh. Live Through This as well. Yeah, like, oh, that, it fucking hits so much closer to home context. when you have the co- context. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about the same art. Was it Soundgarden? Yeah, yep. you're just like, just take what I said about Soundgarden last <laughs> yeah. week and just put it into this. Take whatever I said about Hole last week and just put it in here. So it's, it's going to be the same thing. I'm like Vishnu with like eight thumbs. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, just like, fuck yeah, more Hole, more Hole. But that's exactly, I think there is more Hole in this song. Okay. Yeah, I, I vastly prefer this song. Vastly. Really? Yeah, I think it's, I, I prefer it as well. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Would not have called that. This I'm is full the of surprises, can. just like George Harrison. Oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> no, this is the beer can to Miss World's Loser. Well. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I would place it the this other way. This was nowhere near as big as, as Miss World. No, yeah. it wasn't a big hit. I think it's, um, and I mentioned this last week when I said I had something to say about Hole and Courtney's compositional ideas. Yeah. And I was almost remiss to bring it up because I do think that it ties into what is a regularly disgusting narrative about female writers, not just in music, but in yeah. literature and I presume in art as well. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. That what they do is always tied to a man or what they do is always at least somehow related. It's like when you like you can't read Simone de Beauvoir without someone saying, oh, you know, she was uh, partnered with Jean-Paul Sartre and people uh. can say that in alternative yeah, terms Jean-Paul. Happen. Exactly. However, I do think this song, whilst, and the problem is not that it, it can't be done we of course you can write about another human being it's part it's it's a, it's a connection and if you love somebody or if in dear when the song was written you have a crush on somebody and you have mm. anxiety about them loving you back that's fine that's a staple of songwriting and that is absolutely fine but what casts this song for me into a different light was the reading of kim gordon's recently released memoir girl in a band where yeah. she writes about how at the time, Courtney was just going between rock star to rock star and having a secret affair with Billy Corgan and was just apparently so enamored with the idea of being in a relationship with a rock musician and is what she was all about. That This is what, uh, what Kim Gordon says, um, and I'm partly because I'm a ridiculous fan of Sonic Youth's work at the time, yeah. I'm privy to 
believing what Kim Gordon says. Yeah. And she says that Courtney was so into the idea of being with just a famous rock star. And you look at her, like, I guess her romantic discography, and that seems to be the case. And mm-hmm. I, it is terrible to cast that aspersion upon her. And I do think it's a disgusting narrative ties into female artists of all form. And I hate doing that. But after he, no, he reading that... I can't listen to this song and then not think, of course you'd fucking write this song. Even though I think it's actually one of Cole's better songs. I really like the way the song sounds. Particularly her vocals at the end, that last, her yelling, obviously, oh, it, obviously it's the best. It's so yeah. fucking yeah. best. That line, like, in terms of lines that, like, are Adam bait, <laughs> someday you will ache like I ache, yeah, is just that's like, quite God tear. Yeah. And just, I, I love the way that, up until that point in the song, whenever line, that line has been in there with other lines, and the song constantly like loses all its energy like, yeah. after every oh, line. I love the, yeah, yeah, they really want you for being a, a beautifully poppy counterpoint to that. Yeah. But then coming to that refrain at the end with so much, there's yeah. so much power behind it yeah. at the end. It's incredible. This is such an arresting song. It yeah. is, absolutely. Beautiful word for it. Yeah. I completely agree. And I just can't help but think how powerful it would have been considering that this, it's definitely about Kirk. A deeply important relationship that I think was well documented as being incredibly turbulent and yeah. uh, and emotional for all parties involved, and I reckon yeah. you know there are songs about Courtney that that Kurt wrote as well. Mm. So sure. even the title "Doll Parts," I mean, Kurt has been documented as keeping heaps of doll parts around. You know, I can understand that it being an inside reference that we can perhaps glimpse into or feign that we have an understanding for, but probably not even scratch the surface of yeah. what that actually did mean to Courtney. At the same time, the double meaning is wonderful about, you know, like mannequins and female yeah. image and, and all that kind of stuff. And the idea of being famous and being in the public light as well. Much like Miss World, there is some very rich songwriting going on here that I have to pay. Yeah. But I think just considering the context and the fact that they were still operating as a band at that time. And we mentioned the tragedy of Kurt, but we also need to mention that her bassist had passed from a heroin overdose as well, very, very close to this period and this album. That is also an an immense amount of tragedy. And to hear her sing, One Day You Will Ache Like I Ache, is almost as if she's, to me, like... Is she's wishing a curse upon anyone who's happy when they're listening to this song. But I also think that it's easy to retroactively apply those things because there's no way that those lyrics were written no, with that in mind. But I think it's then the context is just another. It's just another thing. It was like a fortunate can, coincidence, like like not like you know weird weird yeah. yeah. You but know, it's also part in, of I think the the mythology that Courtney has built up around herself and exactly it comes like, down to the persona mm, thing again coming yeah, in. Like, like, I, yeah, I think that's part of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. This is a person who, after her husband killed herself, read his suicide note out aloud at a concert and then handed out all of his clothes. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's heavy stuff, and it, but it, like it's. I think it's wonderful for that and richer for that because you can read that story and that mythology and that persona from it. And as I say, like that is what yeah. happens in whole. It's, it's I just. Think I it's, think it's probably it's it. important to be aware that there is oh, sure. some level of construction involved in that. I flag that happily. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I think I think as long as you acknowledge that, there's, there's so much rich material to sort of pull apart. Yeah, Absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> like, we're still talking about it to this there day. There you go, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And quite in depth yeah, Especially well. now with a montage of Heck uh, just Indeed. came out too. So, oh, uh, yes. Um, which I haven't yet seen, but I'm very keen. And I just uh, read uh, the Rolling Stone interview with uh, Francis Bean Cobain, which is very open about Kurt and Courtney mm. and, yeah, kind of the upbringing, etc. But in the meantime, we don't get to talk about Hole again for a couple more years because okay. uh, there's a few years between records. So uh, It's amazing that, like, at this time, Hole were being a thing. I mean, the hiatus, yeah. hiatus happens in a, in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. 
incredible that the band managed to push through losing a bassist and also Courtney losing Kurt. Like, yeah. And continue to be in the public eye and push themselves through it. I think they're better for it. And yeah. we certainly... And they picked up Melissa off to Mauer, who's a fucking Indeed. great bass player. Yeah. 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 Uh, we benefit from from that the whole thing that, yeah that, the that. whole saga yeah. the whole saga yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for now we're gonna have to send off whole the only way that we know how my friend <laughs> didn't know it was coming <laughs> at number 27 this is live with I alone see you not to be what measure these things by your brain Sank into Eden with you Alone in the church by and by I read to you here, save your eyes You lead them, your boat is at sea Your anchor is out, you've been swept away Greatest of teachers won't hesitate to leave you there by yourself, chained to Live at number 27 with I Alone. All aboard the Post Grunge Express. This just exemplifies. All stations to mirror. All stations to mirror. So this isn't Bush, but it's about as close as we're going to get for a while. So Mac, you have the floor. This just exemplifies that goddamn hangover from bands like Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and Nirvana, where bands had taken the influences of grunge and turned them into hey, hey songs. And we this don't even have the worst of it yet. No, no, this is not even the worst of it. But this, I think, in a way, almost like this boring quiet, loud, quiet songwriting hackiness and the utter genericness of this particular song, I think this actually stands in as a better synecdoche for the whole goddamn genre (laughs) precisely because of its ineptitude. This is just a non-existent, like, I am drenched in this song and I'm completely dry. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Okay. Uh, We're still like five, six years away from Dolphins Cry. Oh, yeah, we are. Which is like... Please. Where they literally Live. get drowned in the video. <laughs> Hang on, do we get to talk about Dolphins Cry? I, I fucking I hope, hope so. I fucking hope not. I, I, would, <laughs> I do. Yeah, I would I imagine do. they would I love the Dolphins Cry. <laughs> I would imagine by that point they would have transcended well beyond... Triple J. Triple cool. J yeah. and into... Power Back yeah. Triple M every hour yeah. on the hour. And then before you know it, I want to replace the news. Yeah. Christ, I want to start a radio station where we just play Dolphins Cry at the top yeah. of the hour. <laughs> With like a news jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Dolphins the way we feel tonight <laughs> reminds me of the night. Oh, it's four o'clock. <laughs> Is it really fucking to get home? So this, yeah, so this song is not great. I mean, like, I don't even know what else to, yeah. like... Oh, the lyrics where it's like, I alone love you, I alone tempt you. That flip on, on who mate. the object is... Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. it irks me to no end. The subjectivity just flips on a dime it's and it's so frustrating. Yeah. 
yeah. really glad you said that because I I got too caught up in it and yeah. I was like maybe this is just a problem that no one else no, has ever had. Yeah. It's really really bad. I also made the mistake of watching the video, yeah, the video which is, is so terrible. The sort of alternation between. Yeah. Ed, Ed Kowalczyk, the singer, either just, like, manhandling his own face or making weird surfing motions in the chorus. Or the drummer having nothing to do, so yeah. he just runs around in the background. What do you mean he has nothing to... There's drums? In the video. No, in the video. Yeah, so they're, the, they're guitarist, the guitarist has his guitar, the bassist has his bass, Ed's The drummer's singing. just running? The drummer doesn't have face. a kit. The drummer doesn't even have sticks. He's just running around and, like, mugging in the background. It's uh, great. Uh, he's like, and then, and then he's it, like an extra in a rap video it's sick is it the drummer that does the the chorus vocals again at one point or yeah is it yeah yeah it's the guitarist and the awful the guitarist and the drummer do that together it yeah. does not sound good <laughs> like that is some bad like That's singing a- in the song <laughs> let me review that does not sound good <laughs> your music is bad and you should feel bad <laughs> Boom. can i take this one guys i'd say all of us here are users of a little thing called spotify at least from time to time. Yes. A dabble. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So on Spotify, you can make uh, playlists, very specific playlists about uh, particular things. I have a playlist on Spotify called Douchebag. In uh, Douchebag, I keep everything that I want to hide away from the world that I (laughs) will bust out and make me wish I had a goatee again. Is this like a Again. playlist that doesn't... It's very private. People can't tell when you're listening to this playlist. There is... You will find such great artists as Cold, Daughtry, <laughs> Limp Biscuit, Creed, Nickelback, Floor. A lot of stuff from the Scorpion King soundtrack. Bit of Godsmack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is beautiful, The man. Scorpion King soundtrack. Oh, the Scorpion King soundtrack is incredible. You know that, that Queen shit. of the Damned soundtrack? Cool. Yeah, Queen of the nice. Dead, like Linkin Park and shit like that was on that. Is there Disturbed? Uh, there is a song by Disturbed mm. in Douchebag. Mm. <laughs> You'll be very, very pleased I think to I know. know. Which one? It's a song called Bound, which. Uh, oh. I go a little bit closer to oh. changing me. Oh, I do know that one, but it, I was wrong. You're over your wasting time. Not a bad yeah. Disturbed. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm pretty proud of my Draymond. Oh, wow. <laughs> so quite good. I will go to the bone and to the grave for like more or less every. I'd say about ninety-eight percent of things I listen to, including Counting Crows. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but if you call me out for liking any of that shit, I'm just like, I was, al- I was eleven. I was twelve. It wasn't me. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it, it definitely was me, and it's still a part of me. I can still sing most of Seven Dust discography for fuck's sake. You know, I've got some skeletons in the closet. I know where the fucking bodies are buried when it comes to my music taste, and live art in there. This song rips shit, and I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. Throwing Copper is a great fucking album. It's it's so loud and obnoxious. And stupid and the album art is dumb and the songs are dumb and the production's dumb but it's so good I don't get it it's just my inner goatee douchebag I should just be sculling down sponsored energy drinks while listening to Triple M I can just sit around and just be like yeah I really like that noise artist that does have like you know like a 45 minute fucking pinecone solo you don't <laughs> yeah, but know I can, nothing I can, of the pinecone I can, <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can, 
intend to do that. Is that man that? flipping me off? <laughs> Sir, have I rocked you in some way? Is that goateed man with a tribal tattoo flipping me off? Put down your energy drink, sir, and talk to me like a man. I'm just getting feedback off the energy drink. Oh, wait, sorry, can't talk. It's quarter to four. I have to get ready for Dolphin's cry. <laughs> so, in terms of pleasure, this is guilty as charged. I think you may have just spawned a religion. I don't know. There was too impassioned and <laughs> there was some deepness in that somewhere. I, don't I know. really liked sick puppies at one point of my life, man. <laughs> okay. I've been there. Bullets by Creed is a fucking unbelievable song. This is not a confessional group, though. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I, Linkin Park live! I suggest you blow this shit guys. up. What can any of us say? <laughs> Do you think though it has any value outside of it being a guilty pleasure? No. Okay. <laughs> I might be a fucking douchebag, but I'm not an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Number 26, this is Yusu Nador featuring Nina Cherry. This is Seven Seconds. In the 1994 Hottest 100 with 7 seconds. It's the return of Ninda Cherry and I'm going to assume we're going to be a lot nicer about this one than uh, the last time we got to talk about her. Well, it's kind of nice because we, you know, it was a Ninda Cherry Michael Stipe collab. Yeah, we, had we said the same thing about Stipe. Michael Stipe. And yeah. Now Cherry yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true, well, actually. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, Nathan, you got the floor on this one. I what love can, this song. Yeah, what can you tell us about Yusu Nador? He's incredible. Like, I have vague memories of this song as a single from Mm. being younger but then a couple of years ago when I was trying to listen to 100 trying and succeeding at listening to 100 albums from 100 different countries I picked Yusunador's Womat uh, for Senegal which this isn't that also how you discovered Angelique Kitcher it is yes which this song is on and is a beautiful and incredible album well worth it he is a very interesting musician who's done a lot of stuff collaborated with some really interesting people and a few years ago was Senegal's Minister for Tourism and Culture. Wow. Yeah. I guess he has culture. Cool. I think this song is beautiful. The message is really lovely. Yeah. Um, and just the idea of, you know, the baby in its first seven seconds of life has no idea of conflict or racism or anything like that. I think mm-hmm. their voices are incredible, both alone and together. Yeah. yeah. This is a trilingual song. Yeah. yeah. There are three languages in it, and I think that opens up the palette of sounds in such an incredible way. There That's are, really good There call. are sounds in yeah. this song that don't happen in other songs. I think that's the languages. case 
with Yusu. I think don't, I don't think Nina fares as well as he does in this song. Okay. Um, well, I mean, it's hard to come up against what he brings, though, because as soon as he starts, I'm just like, whoa. Yes. She grounds it as a pop song, I think. I don't think people would give it the time of day and it wouldn't have been as successful, successful because it yeah. wouldn't be as no, accessible. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah okay. It's like, because when it starts, it's so trip-hoppy. Mm. It almost reminded me of Portishead. This is me bringing out my trip-hop and... Um, dream pop allegiances but I don't think her vocals haunt the space as much as I would like them to yeah that's fair but Ooh, Yusu okay. obviously carves this up like and perhaps it's just because I don't speak French or Wolof but I think that his accent that he brings to English and French which I'm more familiar with than I am with Wolof is so so fantastically enticing that it just makes me almost like I want to hear more of you so much man yeah. and then when he is singing in his native tongue it's even cooler I don't think I'm fetishizing the other too much here but I am a white man who doesn't speak anything other than English so I'm sure I'm yeah yeah that. Th- there's but, an acknowledgement there that, but, but he is fantastic just hearing that I'm like oh yes keep singing in well off please it's just too cool this came in at number yeah. three on the Australian charts yeah that's beautiful really? very high I yeah, love that like, that's so that's wonderful huge. Yeah. I have so much love and time for this song it's yeah. great it's worth mentioning that this is a Senegalese and Swedish co-production yeah like yeah. It, I don't think that Make ever happens again being in successful the in the in Australia like, yeah, mm. exactly. And it, it did. It went. It was very successful all over. It yeah. charted really well in so many different countries, which it's, is amazing yeah. because, as you say, trilingually and you know, like the the, the international co-production and the fact that it was an international hit it mirrors so wonderfully or complements so wonderfully what is happening within the content of yeah, the song as absolutely. well. So it's that kind of form and function meshing very beautifully and elevating the both of them. I would be very curious to know what the um, original reception would have been like this in Senegal. Yeah, I think, sure. Like drawing a bit of international attention to a musical well, Got him to vote. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get, draw some yeah, it's just, international it's, attention yeah. to a country which I'm sure is not used to having uh, international pop hits spring yeah. from its well, ranks. Yeah, mm. there hasn't been a Senegalese pop star since... Yeah. A- uh, uh, between this and then there was Akon. There was Akon, <laughs> yes. I like this song. I don't love it because Nina doesn't really wow me in this. I think but... that's a fair comment, though, that like maybe a different production on her voice would have opened yeah, it up perhaps. more in that. I don't know. I At think least for me. I think like, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's like worth like downgrading it or whatever. Like I think it's just fine as it is. But um, yeah, this is really nice. It's a, it's a, it's a really charming really pleasant song I'm amazed it got so high I'm fucking blown away it was that successful here like it just it doesn't feel like it fits into the contemporary pop climate at this point Mm. you don't think so? no definitely not not even but I think the hook and the chorus like everything else aside you know like there are there are a lot of people who just need one in. They just need one hook. They just need one That's little true. thing that they yeah, can hang the song on. But there's and no it way has that. But there's no way that this trip hoppy sounding Afro beat influenced song is contemporary to the pop music of the time. Look, I can see it being in the triple J, but beat I can't see driven. it being yeah. Uh, kind of spacey. We've had a lot of different songs like that already no, but in, come the, in, in. I think it's comparable in the pop charts, not in triple J. Uh, well, I mean, you know, we talk about a lot of other songs that. that have crossed over this year as well. I, I I don't know. I don't maybe see it as being as far away as you guys yeah, think. Cool. I mean, I wasn't struck by its otherness or its strangeness when I first heard it, but I was well, I was definitely struck by its catchiness and its power, mm. um, which I think speaks to the fact that it was kind of... It definitely is different, but I don't think it stands out for that. It stands out because it's a great song. 
And I guess as well, Andrew, like you're focusing a lot on the trip hop elements of it, which yeah. is part of why Nina's voice falls short. But if it's a pop song, yeah, her voice is kind of Makes more hitting sense. the mark pretty spot on. The harmonies in the chorus are so wonderfully like grounded but emotional at the same time. That like, is true. That's true. That is, I, yeah, I that's think, a very yeah, valid call. Maybe it's more interesting that it, it worked alternatively. Yeah, yeah that's perhaps. True. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think... Do we, we're never going to get to talk about I Old Mate again, so. are we? I'm pretty sure this is like his <laughs> international it, this is his moment. Yeah, it happened. I'm glad yeah. that it happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. Quite similar to uh, Apache Indian. I'm glad he had that moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For slightly different reasons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the world of music is just so beautiful, is, is, isn't it? Is Boom Shakalak going to be in any future countdowns? Uh, yeah, fucking <laughs> hope so. <laughs> we're playing it at the top of the hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right after the Dolphins... Oh my God. Dolphins Cry into Boom Shakalak is my week. If that happened on a radio station every hour, I would probably tune in fairly often. <laughs> so would like, I. Yes, that would be a very popular radio station. Yeah. yeah. I, I could see myself listening a few times a week. So I could see me listening to it a few times a day, just at work. Just like, oh, what time on. is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to hear Boom Shakalak. Yeah. I want to hear Boom Shakalak. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio for having us. Uh, I think this is the first time that the words Creed, Nickelback, and Daughtry have ever come through a mic on FBI. So I'm pretty fucking happy about that. Before we get out of here, we're going to nominate our favourites and our least favourites. My favourite is I Alone. My least favourite is I Alone. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Perfect. My least favourite is also I Alone. (laughs) My favourite, however, is Beer Can. There you go. Uh, My favourite is Seven Seconds. And my least favourite is I Alone. Mm, My favourite is Doll Parts. But also, <laughs> in another universe, your favourite is Kylie, yeah? Sure. D- yeah? Ooh, Kylie. Probably this universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm an interdimensional being, so... Yes, you know. yes that's I fine. forgot about what episode. You can so. have two favourites this week. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. Thank you very much. You're welcome. On behalf of Miss Adam Butcher. Cheers, mate. And on behalf of Mr. Nathan that Harrison. That was fun. Fucking wasn't it? My name's David James Young. Keep music evil, douchebags! It's four and a half past four. The way you're bathed in light Reminds me of that night God laid me down into your rose Garden of trust And I was swept away With nothing left to say Some helpless fool, yeah, I was lost In a swoon of peace, you're all I need to find So when the time is right Come to me sweetly, come to me